Good. Are we on? Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm here with Brant. How do you pronounce your last name? Barham. Barham. Brant Barham. We're back with the show. Kyle's in the closet. Kyle, how are you feeling today? Uh, great to be in the closet, as <laughs> always, folks. <laughs> and um, I've been so excited to have Brant on here. We've met just a few times through some mutual friends. Yep. And you're like, you're like, I think of all the people I know in person, not on social media, it seems like you have the most like business stuff going on in your life. You've done so many different things. Like when we meet up, the few times we met up, all we're talking about is like entrepreneurial type business yeah. stuff, yeah. like hustling and stuff like that. Yeah. And what I also, what I love about you is just how much of it you've just kind of taught yourself. Yeah. So thanks for being on the show. Of course. Of course. <laughs> thanks for agreeing to come yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. What do you what do you tell people when you're at like a cocktail party and people ask you what you do? Uh, Everything. Basically, I tell them I work on uh, commercial real estate. And, yeah. Um, you move that mic. You can get up on in there. All right. Perfect. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I basically, you know, I work mostly with investors, so yeah. like I'm always. Uh, trying to find deals and so i always tell people i'm always like trying to find opportunities and yeah. just different deals like you know help somebody but not like yeah i mean when you say investors i'm new to all of this you mean like uh investment groups so this is like three to four investors this yeah, isn't so, like so it depends like i mean i have some people that are just like doctors that have like five hundred thousand to a million dollars cash that they want to place somewhere yeah. and yeah. will leverage it to get it to like buy like a three or four million dollar building yeah. uh maybe like a cash flowing building yeah and uh or i'll have like a group of guys that are like we could take down fifteen twenty million dollar projects. Yeah, and um, so um, I kind of have everything in between. Yeah, and uh, I kind of started off like doing rental properties and okay. flips. Yeah, like in the residential side and then single family single or multi fam- okay. single family for the most part back in two thousand nine to mm-hmm. twelve, and then eventually right after the crash in two thousand eight, yeah, exactly. You got in. You just were like, I'm yeah. gonna get into real estate. Yeah, everybody was like getting out of real estate, and so I was reading this article about how everybody was getting out of real estate. And I was just like, man, I want to get into real estate. Really? Yeah, because I was like, because there was like nobody doing real, like everybody yeah. was trying to get out. Everybody was like trying to like say, oh, this this market's toast. Yeah, yeah. It was like the worst thing that ever happened in real estate in a hundred years. And how old were you in two thousand nine? Uh, twenty. Like, were you married? I was married. Yeah. And no, I wasn't married. I was engaged. Yeah. And then I was, I got married in 2012. And were, did you have any other job or were you just like, I'm going to go into real estate? I kind of was like, I need to like have like my real estate license. I, I, I was like, I need to go back to, to, to school. So I went back to college at the same time. Cause I was like, kind of like, I wanted to kind of make sure check both those boxes. I was like, well, I need to make sure I'm, I'm able to like, if this real estate thing doesn't work out, I yeah. need to have like a way out of this, Yeah, you know? So, uh, I was going to school at UTD. Nice. And I was uh, studying uh, emerging media and communications. Cool. Okay, cool. Emerging media. Emerging media. So I was that like, was a major? So that was a major. Yeah. What does that mean? So emerging basi- media. Ba- basically, like uh, you learn about like the internet, like, Facebook, you know, like uh, social media, blogging, yeah. like all that other stuff, yeah. and like all these emerging yeah. types of way to communicate. And, MySpace. Uh, You're studying MySpace. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Dude, I miss MySpace for how much yeah. you could customize everything. Yeah. Like you could change the mouse into like a fireball that moves around the screen yeah. or you could like make music start. Like I think that was the first time I started messing with like coding of any type. Yeah. Because it's – is it HTML or CSS? Yeah, or? I forget. I mean I remember just like you go on some people's pages and your computer would crash. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons why like their their entire thing failed because yeah. it was like yeah. it was too custom. Well, back then, I mean, like <laughs> I mean, that's still when the internet made noises when you logged in, like mm. the mm. and then. <laughs> That's also when, like, yeah, like Nets. You were probably using like Netscape or something or AOL <laughs> yeah, to right. log in. Yeah, I was using like. I remember it was Chrome wasn't around, obviously. No, but you had like. Uh, but I remember like my wife and I were just talking about like just weeks ago. We we're like, we miss being able to like have like a background sound, you know, music to your yeah, to your site to your website, know? yeah. And, like having being able to go people to go on your page and like see your personality a little bit. Yeah, better. yeah, yeah. That was uh, Dane Cook was actually one of the really big. First celebrities, I think, right? Yeah, to make exactly. MySpace really. Yeah, there was a few people that like really launched off of there. Yeah. And, yeah. So, how quickly did you go from single family unit? Like, how long were you doing single family before you started getting into bigger stuff? Uh, kind of like around 2015, we started doing like some pretty big flips. Yeah. Like buying stuff for like 450, selling them for like 750. Single family? Single family. Yeah. And whenever the flipping market kind of dried up in like 2016, 2017, we moved into like ground up development, mm-hmm. which kind of let parlayed me into commercial because yeah. you're, you're finding lots, you know, land to build like these uh, million to million, uh, $1.8 million houses. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, well, this is very similar to construction and commercial. Yeah. And, uh, and also land acquisition is a very commercial type of activity. Yeah. So, um, I ended up getting started getting referrals for like commercial pieces of land that somebody wanted to be wanted me to sell. Yeah, and I had to figure out like how to sell it, which meant like I had to get a developer involved to like, yeah. you know. So dang. So in twenty seventeen is really when I kind of transitioned into commercial, and I still do residential today. Yeah. Like I still have friends and family that like help that want me to help them find yeah. houses. The flips that you were doing when you were doing single family were you were you renovating yourself or were you contracting or? Well, I was hiring. GCs. So I was kind of managing the projects myself. Yeah. I wasn't getting paid to manage the projects, but I was like, just, I wanted to get my, I wanted to get that experience. Yeah. So I was using my investors money to buy the houses and remodel them and sell them. Yeah. And, uh, like I was seeing the whole thing from beginning to end. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was a lot of work. I'm sure you, ter- I'm sure you learned a ton. Oh yeah. I Gosh. learned, I learned that it was way too much work for the amount of money you make. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> None. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, because there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are flipping houses and making nothing. Yeah, man, that's crazy. I'm like, it must be like, unless you enjoy flipping houses as a hobby, like it's. <laughs> what was the first? What was the first time you got an investment from someone? Because you're saying using invest investors. Like I, the most I've ever done in anything similar to this is like Patreon or something, yeah. and like asking someone, hey, yeah. would you donate? Right. Yeah. Or but. But to go and ask for investors, was it friends and family first, or did it was like uh, my first investors were I met at church, yeah, and uh, they were, um, you know, they were older, you know, about seventy seven at the time, and uh, I was kind of kind of like just trying to get my foot in the door in real estate, and I was like, I was trying to figure out like who's buying out there. Yeah, I found it was investors were buying out there, so I specialize. I decided to specialize in finding foreclosures, short sales, things like yeah. that. And so every time I met somebody, I was like, yeah, I specialize in finding foreclosures. Yeah. And they were like, I want to buy foreclosures. Interesting. And so then it turned into that that conversation I always had with every person I ever met. It turned into like it kind of if you were already an investor, you were like, oh, this guy focuses on foreclosures. I need to talk to him. Interesting. So you were already finding people that were looking for that type of person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was just kind of like, you know, you just put yourself out there and you just kind of, you know, and I do that today. Even like uh, everybody I meet, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, help. 
you know, people find uh, cash flowing assets, you know, where we can make, you know, at least twice the returns that you get in residential properties. Yeah, and yeah. so then they're like, oh, interesting, because they may already have rental properties. Yeah. They're like, tell me more about this. About cash flow. Yeah. Okay. And then when you're doing ground up development, though, wh- who are the type of people that, I mean, is that was that a whole different world to get into? Yeah. And like, is this where like, so I, I'm so sorry I had to, t- yeah. and when we hang out, I'm, I always feel like I'm such an amateur. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, when we're talking about those levels, we're talking about, the idea of like an investment group, right? Where it's like, it's a group of people that are compiling a lot more money. Yeah. And usually if I'm dealing with a development, I'm usually working with somebody that's like an experienced developer. Okay. Like they just need somebody to help them source good projects. Okay. And so, and then raise the capital. And then a lot of times they're like independently like successful and wealthy and like, uh, or they have a great relationship with their bank that'll like give them a, uh, whatever loan they need, 5 million, 10 million, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, so, Usually, I don't have to go super far to get the fundraising on that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I find it was always easier to like find people that were already doing something really well and yeah. then find a way to help them. Yeah. And Interesting. So, so it's like. So they're really good at being a developer, but there's something about getting like something find, coming but find, in. But finding opportunities yeah. is like very cumbersome. You know, you have to come through a lot of potential sites and and find the land at the right price, the right yeah. area with the right demographics and all this other stuff. and. A lot of times they don't want to do all that. Interesting. So for me, like I can help them find something that they can actually develop. Yeah. And then they're grateful. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, I get paid my commission for finding the property and, yeah. you know, hopefully I get paid Gosh. for selling it. Kyle, I told you every time I talk to Brand, it all sounds so easy. <laughs> it all sounds so like, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. just, yeah, it's just, uh, Every time now I drive by like a lot that looks like it's for sale, like a commercial, like eight acre lot. I'm like, what is Brant thinking as he's looking at this? Yeah. Like, is it just easy, like as easy as Brant makes it out to be? Well, it's, it's really, it's a lot of years of like just yeah. trial and error. What have been the errors that have been the scariest? Well, luckily. Or are you just able to go? Cause you've talked a lot about like contracts and yeah. working out what the relationship is going to be like. So do you feel like. Whereas most people like us hear investor and we're like, oh my gosh, the worst would be like damaging a relationship and losing all this money. Are you right. just thinking like, no, I'm only going to kind of like Warren Buffett. I I only make bets that I know yes. I'm going to hedge the risk. Exactly. So like I don't take on deals that aren't like at least worst case scenario. Uh, you walk out with no returns. Yeah. Like, I don't ever take bets that are uh, going to be something where you can potentially lose a lot of money. Yeah. So like we do a lot of you know we analyze the deal and we're like okay the, even worst case scenario this is what we're gonna do worst case scenario maybe the investor gets his money back right after exactly like three years four years or something yeah whatever the scenario is like yeah. we'll make sure that it's it's like it's a win I mean it's never a win to not make money yeah because like they look at it like like I have investors where we hit the, some of the last flips we did they only made like like two percent or three percent return on investment mm-hmm. and they were like looking at it like man, like that was, I lost a lot of money. I was like, you didn't lose any money. He's like, well, I lost potential money. Yeah. Cause they're like, I could have had that money working somewhere else. Yeah. And made money. Yeah. Cause two to 3% is like nothing. Yeah. I mean like most like of a them, mutual fund or something yeah, like, four or like five. Nothing. It's like for the amount of work and time it goes into it. And a lot of these flippers out there are like losing their shirts. Like they were like losing, you know, 10%. They put in like a hundred thousand dollars into a property and they'd walk out with a you know, with seventy thousand dollars, yeah, like they would end up with, uh, you know, taking a thirty percent loss. Yeah, dang. And so that was, I was like, I'd never put anybody in that situation. Thank yeah. God. Uh, but it's my probably my biggest, some of the biggest like 
for me, like worrisome stuff that's ever happened was like sometimes I take on projects that were just so big. Yeah. And like you don't get paid. Like a lot of these projects, you don't get paid anything until like they're finished. Yeah. So it could be like two years, you know, Dang. waiting for that to be for a pay And just out. all your time. And all my time and energy. So I, like, And I, time that you're not going out to get other deals. Yeah, and exactly. Stuff. So yeah. I think uh, in my early, like in 2018, I was like stretching myself too thin with too many big deals. Yeah. And like I found that like my day-to-day cash flow was like getting close to nothing. Yeah. And I was like, my gosh, what am I going to do? Yeah. You know, I got all these great deals in the pipeline, but I'm not getting paid on them for another year. Yeah. Have you always been entrepreneurial? I I'm nervous because I've heard the classic tale of like, if you're an entrepreneur, like when you were a kid, you were selling lemonade and you're doing this. Stuff. And I wasn't really that way as a kid. Yeah. I wasn't either. Cause unfortunately my mom spoiled me to death when I was, <laughs> when I was growing up. <laughs> so like I never had that, like, urge to go make money yeah like i kind of wish i i grew up complete like I, it was weird because i grew up like like not really well off and then all of a sudden my mom got a good job at some point when i was like in middle school and then all of a sudden like now we we're really well off yeah and then like and then she cut me off when i was like 21 years old yeah and that's when i really started to learn how to like be my be my you know be myself and like try and like make money for myself yeah yeah and so it, i wish i had like an upbringing where I didn't have any money at yeah. all and I had to figure it out earlier on. Yeah. Cause then at least I'd be like five or six years ahead of where I'm at right now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a weird, I don't know how you're thinking about your kids, but like my dad did not grow up with a lot. Mm-hmm. So there was a sense of trying to teach his kids hard work. Yeah. But then also he battled with some of this, like I didn't get the chance as a kid to just play video games. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a little bit of that too. Cause I remember some summers where he'd get mad that we were just like, doing nothing, playing video games, doing nothing, didn't have a job at 14 or, but then I also remember some, some weekends where he'd be like, you know, this goes away soon, you know? And he was like, I wish I could have enjoyed more of my summers as a kid. Yeah. As a dad, you know, cause I got three boys that are six, four and two. Yeah. And, uh, it's like, it's hard to find that balance between like spoiling them, taking really good care of yeah. like just kind of making sure they have the best childhood ever. Yeah. And then also trying to teach them like the value of like money and hustling, and hustling and, yeah. and all that stuff. Cause I want them to be like entrepreneurs at like 10 years old. Yeah. You know, I want them to go like want to start their own businesses. Yeah. So like, I feel like I'm getting close to that, you know, that age where like they're going to have to start learning how to like turn $1 into $2. Yeah. It's funny how different, all your kids are too. Like, cause I remember, um, some of our kids started asking about having a toy or something. And so my wife was just like, well, we don't have the money for it. Do you have the money for it? And he's like, no. And he's like, how do you get money? What is money? Right. Yeah. So then we started talking about all the different ways they can get money. And the first thing they ask is like, can they do stuff around the house for money? My wife is like, that was okay for like two days. But then pretty soon you're like, then they start demanding money for everything. Right. They're like forming a union. <laughs> They're like, we won't do any chores unless you pay us. You're like, man, this sucks. So then we started doing like, well, maybe we could come up with a business idea. And one time we did, um, my wife makes really good tortillas. <laughs> and so somehow my, my kids brokered some deal with her where she would make the tortillas, but they would package them and sell them out on the front lawn. <laughs> oh, nice. And so they sold them three at a time and they did all them because we homeschool. So they were like, we'll do the math and figure out how many we sell them for how much and the profit and all this. And, uh, they were cool with that for about a day. And then one of my sons really loved it, uh-huh. but all the other kids like, after an hour, they're like, we're done with this crap. No, yeah, yeah. They're <laughs> they're like, like, this, so done. Like, this sucks. Yeah, this we're not sucks. Any money. Yeah. The other kid, though, I mean, he just 
sat right there behind the table in our cul-de-sac with no traffic. It's just like waiting for waiting for a customer. someone to buy tortillas. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, but that's good. I mean, that's a good thing to teach your kids, like yeah, a little bit of sure. entrepreneurship. Yeah, like I mean, eventually, I'd like my kids to be like working for me in my business. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if they have any interest in what I do. Ah, who cares? Just but, force them. But I'm like, you know, I figure cheap labor. I, I feel like. They're going to do something like they're going to be forced to work for me up until like a certain age. Yeah. In yeah. which case they can just go off and do that. So that was my wife, my wife. So my wife's parents um, own a company and she like growing up had to work in the warehouse. They yeah. paid her, but it was like, we're all going up there and you got to work yeah. in the warehouse, you know, yeah. which I feel like there's something good about that. Yeah. I think, I mean, you can't put a price on like hard work at a young yeah. age. Yeah. How many different businesses are you currently involved in right now? So I have my real estate business is my primary. Like that's kind of my my like I I used to when I was in my early twenties I had a bad habit of like trying to start like a bunch of stuff all at once. As an entrepreneur, that's of, me. That's you, me right nat- now. You're naturally like inclined to be like you know what I can I want to start this type of this business. I don't have this photography business going. I don't have this marketing business going. I want to do this other business over here. This other app startup over here. And I could do all of them at once. I make, you know, it's a kind of like little side hustles on everything. Yeah, yeah. But when I, what I realized is that when you don't focus on one thing, you end up doing everything else. Like you, you can do four things so-so or you can do one thing really awesome. Yeah. So I've been trying to focus on just making my one company awesome yeah. and uh, just trying to provide like a really high level service and, and build it up. And if I – when I start other companies, so I have another company right now working on right now called DevCap, and it's basically a, uh, it's basically an investment arm of my business, which is going to be basically investing like in actual like buying assets, yeah, and then bringing on uh, investors into that fund. So it's basically almost like an equity, like a private equity fund. Okay, uh, but it's. But it's aligned with my business. Okay. So it's not like a completely different business. I'm not like opening a restaurant and having my commercial real estate. Business. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. I find that if I find businesses, I think that's kind of the smartest thing to do. If you if you're going to start multiple businesses, they're like adjacent. They should all to be what? adjacent or serving your existing business. Yeah, isn't that like vertical versus horizontal? Come yeah. on, Kyle, you're the economics major. You went to school. Is that vertical, horizontal? What Seems is that? like vertical to me, folks. Okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I two point eight GPA right here. <laughs> I struggle with that too. Like because when you start building something that is supports your main business, then you yeah. realize the thing that you're building. Other people are like, I'd pay you to do that, mm-hmm. and that that's been that's been tough for me is trying to figure out which of those things to focus on. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, do you feel like maybe you focus on one thing and grow it up to a point that then you can move on yeah, to another? Yeah, yeah. So like. A uh, good friend of mine, Caleb, he owns uh, Auto Cave, and he's uh, he's just like, he's an entrepreneur, like entrepreneurial as it gets. Like, I mean, you have to have him on the show because he's freaking awesome. I'd love to. Yeah. What's his yeah. last name? Brian. Okay. B r y n. Okay. R y a n. Caleb or Kyle, get Caleb on here. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm typing it up right now. Right. Don't stress. So he's like, so he's really like, like he's that guy who hustled, like you know, when he's 17, 16, whatever. Like he had. Craigslist businesses and all this other stuff. And um, he's got it to the point like, he's really good at leveraging and like hiring management and like getting everybody in place that needs to run the business to the point where you could get to where the business, like you're only having to put in like a couple hours a week in each business. Yeah. So you can have that because really when you get to the point where you can have, you only need to be there for two or three hours a week. Then you could really start other businesses. Yeah. So like someone was saying, and I've been thinking about this a lot too. It stuck with me that if you're – if you have to do all the work, 
you're a contractor, you're a freelancer, right. and you're not building a business. When you build a business, it can run without you. Right. Yeah. Exactly. If a business isn't running without you, I yeah. mean, a business isn't a business unless it can run without you. Yeah. Like it's a it's your business technically, but like if you if you're like, the if owner, you're the key ingredient. Yeah, you're working. Yeah, you can never sell it. You can never like because you're the owner and the employee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of where like for me like my it's kind of hard to leverage what I do. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I know it's there's definitely real estate you can scale like you know in residential and things like that. But like you can scale real estate businesses and grow them. Yeah, big companies. Um, but I haven't like found a way to do that really well. In the my part business. where you, the part where you can look at a deal and just get the feeling about if it's a good. Yeah, because I feel like my success is kind of like due to me like being able to vet deals like really quick, really fast, and just like see an opportunity. Yeah, and I would never like. I guess I could bring on somebody else. Like I'm sure there's somebody else out there who can do it better than I can. Yeah. And then bring them on and, and work with me, kind of. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. But I haven't found that person. Or maybe if you made your own like secret algorithm where right. you're like, for yeah. me. And maybe it's not just secrets, just like for the deals you want to do. Right. Here's all the parameters that it hits. Exactly. That kind of stuff. Check these boxes. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. I'm, um, we're trying to build, I guess I could share this cause I'm, I'm not sure. Kyle, we can talk about this on the podcast, right? This will come out a few weeks from now. Yeah. I give you my full permission. If we don't, if we don't have business. this up and running, then shame on us, right? <laughs> like if we don't have it up and running by then shame on us. So we've kind of pivoted and I've talked, I, I'd be interested to get, hear your feedback, but we pivoted a little bit. We were thinking about running i mean we definitely provide services here for video podcasting and stuff but we've been talking about pivoting and for now just focusing on providing a monthly micro content daily micro content service mm-hmm. and so that could be anyone remote it could be audio video podcasts any like show that's weekly we could turn into content and that's one thing we were talking about was how do we build something because before it was just you talk to me and I'll just try to help you build something and figure out like a custom proposal for how we could help you. Mm-hmm. Whereas now we're trying to think, how do we build out a system where anyone could pop in and help other people with that system and then just sell that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's like, come, it comes down to just having like that one thing that, that works really well yeah. and then just focusing on it. Yeah. Like uh, if you think about like um, Elon Musk when he was uh starting uh, when he was operating PayPal, when they were pitching uh, investors, they would talk about this amazing, like, uh, like online financial network, basically. Uh, and that was like 80, 90% of their presentation. And then like 10% of it was, and also you could email uh, payments to people. Yeah. And they found that everybody was like, whoa, 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 what? You can email payments to people? Yeah. Like you just email it to them? And they're like, yeah, I mean, that's, part of the big system we have going on here. And they're like, well, we really like that. Yeah. That thing, that sounds amazing. So then they like regrouped and they were like, okay, it seems like most people just want to email payments. <laughs> yeah. So forget all so the other, like, let's just scrap all this other expensive, very expensive system that we were going to have rolling out. Yeah. And let's just focus on this one piece. Yeah. And that's what made them so successful is because they focused on that one piece that was the most valuable piece. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of how like now I'm starting to look because when I was, young in my twenties, I used to like have this big grand vision for like, like these big companies I could, I could put together and stuff like that. And then I was like, I'd, everything would be, everything I'd try and start would be too complicated and yeah. too, like too, too grand. And then yeah. I never stopped to think about like that one thing, like the one little thing that I could just market really well, like I can sell really well yeah. and then try and roll out with that one little product. 
How did you discern though, which one of those things, those ideas or those things you were involved in, like you were the most effective at, like, was it just trial and error? And you're like, man, I'm just doing really well at this. Oh, as far as like, just in general, like, with all yeah, like the one thing to focus on, or maybe just oh. for now, like what's, how yeah. do you discern that? So, well, I, that's I, my problem I, so, is like, there's so many things where I'm like, oh well, man, I could do these things. Well, I'm really good at that. Yeah, just I, so, so talented. Yeah, I'm yeah, so, so talented. <laughs> yeah. I was really like, I, I was really into like, so I, when I was 18, 19 years old, I for sure thought I was going to go work for a marketing firm. I wanted to go work for the Richards group, like more than anything. Yeah. And so I was like learning Photoshop on like on my own. I was doing all those other things. And I was so focused on like, just cause I was like, I'm a creative person. You know, I need to like be out there creating advertisements or something like that. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I was like, I knew I was creative. And over time, I kept on like putting my like putting myself out there and doing different creative things. Like I did event photography, I did product photography, um, I did a lot of graphic design work for people, and yeah. I tried to like just build something from nothing. Yeah. And uh, even when I was starting on real estate, I was still like I had an app on the side that I was working with Caleb. He was the founder of uh, Spotagory. It was an app that we were building together. It was called Spotagory. Spotagory. Oh yeah, wow! Yeah, it was cool. I mean, it was a really cool concept. Yeah, a little bit like it was. It was very timely. It just we needed a. I mean, we just needed a lot more app developers. We well, what was it going to do? It basically allowed you to share photos and videos of, of where you were immediately. So, like, if I was sitting here right now, I could see all the photos and videos of what's happening, like within like a half a mile of me. Of other people too. Of other people too. Oh, it's interesting. All public. And so like you could be at a sporting event or something like that and see all the pictures from all of like everybody's pictures That's from cool. their videos. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of a cool like yeah. it was a cool concept. It was going to be like another social media platform. And uh and I spent a lot of time working on that while I was in while I was, uh, in my early years of real estate. And uh when Jen was pregnant with our first boy, and, you know, I was like well, she's like, I'm gonna, I'm not going back to work, just so you know. <laughs> and I was like, well, dang. It's like, got to replace that income. Yeah. So when I realized that she wasn't going to go back, I was like, kind of made me rethink like all my strategy. I was like, I had two different things I was working on outside of real estate. And I was like, so I had to drop those. And I was yeah. like, if I double down on real estate, that's when I really started focusing. Cause I was like, I never thought of real estate as like a way for me to have a creative outlet. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of creativity in real estate. Yeah. Like, especially when you do investment stuff. That's I like, remember the first time I met you, you said this and it stuck with me ever since. Cause you said exactly this, that, uh, you really, you really feel like a kin or, or, um, you feel like a creative, like you feel yeah. because you have to source these deals really create. And I never thought of that, that, you know, all the different forms and contracts, someone had to dream up how all these partnerships right. work and the deals yeah, work and how exactly. it all fits together. Yeah, exactly. Cause every deal is negotiable. So it's kind of like, what are the exact, you know, you have to be creative about the terms, like yeah. of the, you know, how long the inspection period is or due diligence period and how long the, you know, the, like what kind of financing, like, is it going to be, is it going to be, is the owner going to contribute the land to the project and then we're going to pay the owner back for it. Yeah. So there's a lot of different like angles to it. And so you're like, in a way it's a very creative type of business. Yeah. And, I always thought of creativity as like creating like art, yeah. creating an advertisement. Yeah. I never really thought that you could use creativity in like, I mean, you use creativity like in engineering. Yeah. You know? It's like, yeah, that's true. Like engineer, or you think of like Mythbusters and stuff like yeah. they're hyper engineers, but being yeah. creative about how they yeah, use exactly. all of those tools. I bet you also score high on like openness. I score high 
on like just open to ideas, open to other people. Oh yeah. Like I'm totally open. like, I love like spitballing ideas with people that are like, I had this idea to make this kind of business. And I'm like, okay, let's see how that could work out. You know? Yeah. And just kind of play, play it out yeah. and see like if it does go somewhere. Yeah, for sure. Do you feel like COVID I, I just, I'm interested in your thoughts on we've, I think we've talked a little bit in private about COVID, yeah. but do you think COVID for most people is an opportunity mm. in terms of, for real estate it, stuff? Well, just like, in general. I don't know. I, I have some people, and I think you've told me this, and I've some people in my life, they're like, man, it's just really hard right now during COVID. And then I've had some other people that are more maybe entrepreneurial minded yeah. who are like, there's a lot of opportunity out there. Yeah. There's, I feel like. I mean, e-commerce is exploding. A lot of content stuff is exploding. Yeah, like, I think there's definitely opportunity out there for entrepreneurs to like, like different markets that are emerging because of yeah, this. Yeah. Because you have people that are like, stuck at home or there's more like uh stuff being delivered like your retail like retailers are moving more of their stuff online yeah and so maybe there's an opportunity like i think when i think about opportunities like i think of like uh well i, I want to go buy more warehouse stuff like more warehouse properties yeah because every online everything you see online has to have a warehouse somewhere yeah yeah so if more people are like starting websites or more stuff is expanding onto the e-commerce side I know I need to get more flex space and more warehouse space. Interesting. So that's where I think about opportunity. But then, um, but is that a like two to three year down the line move? Is that like hold on to it? I think it's like it's all happening like right now. Like yeah. I think it's like I see warehouses popping up like crazy now. Yeah. Like people are building hundred to three hundred thousand square foot warehouses. Yeah. Yeah. And like you don't even have to buy something that big because I mean your small mom and pop e commerce store may only need five thousand square feet. Yeah, and also I've been thinking like. I mean, it's really sad that a lot of businesses are going out of business, but then that also means like a lot of buildings up for sale. Yeah. And then wasn't it, they, they promised that, or they said that the interest rates are going to be at like zero for the next yeah, it's 10 be, years, possibly. It's, it's going to be so low for so long. It's going to be crazy. I mean, like, and when you say like the interest rate, a fed rate being 0%, it really just means like the money that the bank is getting is coming in like I mean, it's you're never gonna, it's never going to be like it's never going to translate to like you getting a zero percent interest loan. Yeah. Like if I were to go get a loan for a building right now, best case scenario, I'm going to get about four percent interest rate. Yeah. And even if the bank is borrowing that money for one percent. Yeah. Like that doesn't mean they can't increase it to like four and a half percent. Okay. Even if nothing changes there. Yeah. Because the banks always lend according to the risk in the market. Okay. And so if banks in general think that the risk is high, they want to make a bigger spread. Yeah. So. That makes sense. So at the end of the day, like the banks are still controlling what your interest rate is going to be. Yeah. But I think from a mortgage standpoint, you're going to see like 2.9 to 3.1% interest rates probably at least another year to two years. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to tell because you don't, and we have no clue what's going to happen after the election. Yeah. No clue. Yeah, I know. Uh, one of my friends who offices out of here, she's a financial planner. And sometimes I hear her, maybe I'm not supposed to share this, but often I hear her ask the question, how will your investment strategy change if Joe Biden is elected? <laughs> how will your strategy change if Trump is elected? Right. Yeah. Cause like that, I mean, if you're, if you're making changes throughout yeah. the year, I mean, that might yeah, impact well, that. Well, I think the good thing about like, even like in a change of like president, you have it, like things don't change like overnight. Yeah. In Congress and, yeah. you know, you have like, there's still like that one year to two year lag. So like a lot of the stuff that Trump has in place right now won't change in 2021. Okay. Even if 
Biden were elected, yeah, it wouldn't change. Like it would still be like you'd still have the same tax laws, same everything. Yeah. So really, your tax, really your investment strategy might change like in twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three. Yeah, isn't it true? I think I've heard that before too. That like when a new president gets in and suddenly says, "Oh my gosh, all these things are great." Really, it's the president before him because it takes. There's like yeah. three or four year lag. Yeah, yeah. typically in yeah, the you, economy. Typically, you have like a one to two year like residual because like the policies when they're changing the policies or you know changing like how like the tax laws are or whatever. Yeah, everything takes like a, at least a couple of years yeah. for the changes to go into effect because they have to yeah. put the bill together and they have to like vote on it and they have to get passed and even when they pass it, it's like doesn't take place immediately. It yeah. takes place like the following year. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So my audience is not probably very educated in real estate and commercial real yeah. estate and all that stuff. So I'm just thinking like, you know, some of this, some of these questions, I mean, they're just my like amateur questions, but right. I would love for people that are listening to the show to kind of have the experience I have when I talk to you about, like I, I come away when I talk to you sometimes and I go home and I tell Danielle, I'm like, gosh, I hate this freaking guy. He just makes me think so much bigger than like I was initially thinking. Yeah. So I was I thought it would be interesting if maybe we kind of rehashed uh, this conversation we had that was really impactful on me and actually helped me make some decisions, you know, personally with my life or in my life and my jobs and things going on. Um, but I was talking to you about this idea of we're in the studio mm-hmm. and we're leasing mm-hmm. and I told you that. I was really interested in the idea of buying a building and then exploring, you know, part of the building being, you know, the media that I do, the creative services, but then possibly co-work and coffee shop. And I really have started feeling like God calling me this like mission driven space and like this creative space to do things with. And you said something really interesting. You just like just spit out this whole business plan about the SBA and the idea about the SBA. And I just want to have people to have that experience of, um, and the the other thing that stuck with me was you said I said well okay well like I should probably take you know ten to fifteen years to build up the money to finally do this big project, mm-hmm. and you like so cavalierly were just like well what if you just well you just did it in two or three years and figured out if it was a good idea, and I yeah. was like shoot man yeah and I yeah. immediately went home to Danielle yeah. and I was like man I am not thinking big <laughs> enough about this stuff yeah so maybe uh, I don't even know where to start but I do know that there are people that I'm friends with that are interested in moving into a space in the sense of whether that's for a retreat center, a mission, a coffee shop, shop, a a mission driven co-work space, collaborative space. And a lot of them, you know, some of them might know about SBA loans, but just to talk through a lot of that, that type of, when when you have an idea like that, oftentimes if you're not experienced, you think maybe 10 years from now. Yeah. Cause when you see like a coffee shop or an arcade or, or a restaurant, you might think like, oh my gosh, this person had to invest all this money. They had to build out all this space. They had to hire all these people. They had to like, they you weren't making money day one. Yeah. You know, like it seems like I could never do that. Yeah. But the reality is you could put, you can quantify exactly what everything costs. Like, so if you're like, I know how much my lease is going to cost. Or if you buy a building, I know how much that building's going to cost. And then you're like, I, you find out from a contractor how much the build out you want is going to cost. Yeah. And then you find out like uh, how much your staff you're going to need and how yeah. much they're going to, how much they're going to cost you over the next year. And you can take all of those costs and build them into and the loan. Basically, roll them into the loan. Yeah. And then that loan's just a 10% down loan. So like, if you find out the project you want, it's going to be going to cost a million and a half dollars over the course of the next 12 months, then you can say, okay, it's a 25 year loan at 10% down. Yeah. So you only have to come up with $150,000. And if you're like, I don't have $150,000. Well, 
you could always partner up with an investor who believes in you and maybe they take 40% of the business or 30% of the business in exchange for the $150,000. So now you can start day one and then your first monthly payment, depending on how you structure the SBA loan, may not be due until month 13. Yeah, that's crazy. So That's wild. So you do that, like you basically have that entire year to actually get your business operational. And the SBA loan, the salary is only for the first year though, right? It's not 25 years of no, one no, person's no, salary. No, no, you're, you're getting like a year of someone's salary or six yeah. to 12 months, depending on like how it's structured. But like you're getting like a 12 months of someone's salary. So if you know you need like these four staff members, yeah, you're like, I need these people for my business. You got a business model put together and everything like that to present to the bank. Obviously, the bank's not going to just hand you money if you don't have yeah. a good business plan. Yeah, yeah. So you have to spend the time to make a good business plan. Really look at the numbers. You know, get you know, figure out what what, what space you want and like how much it's going to cost. What your build out's going to cost, and it's really easy to get the build out cost from like I mean, generally speaking, you're looking at around 100 to 125 dollars a square foot for okay. build out cost. Okay. So like, if you have most like commercial properties and stuff. Yeah, most commercial like off like an office yeah. like a nice office, you're probably spending around 100 to 110 dollars a foot on build out. And that includes like usually AC work and all everything, everything yeah. you see. Because when you get most of these spaces, they're delivered to you in like shell form. Yeah. So there's nothing in them. Yeah. So you really you need to build everything: walls, floors, ceilings, AC. Yeah. Everything. Do you ever hit like code stuff? Because there was a building we were looking at that was built in like 1970 mm. or 80, but they yeah. had a single owner for the whole time. Mm-hmm. And when we started looking at it, one of my friends who kind of does some of the code stuff, I guess, was like. Dude, this is this could potentially be a nightmare if there's a yeah. bunch of stuff that has to be brought up to code. Yeah, luckily you can like in the negotiations uh, portion of it, like whenever you're actually looking at your space, yeah, you could have an inspector come in. Even if you're leasing the space, you can have an inspector come in, inspect everything, and then as part of your uh, offering, your LOI, you can say, "I want you to update all the electrical. I want you to update the AC, update the plumbing, whatever. You know, you have it all lined out, and I also want you to pay." $10 a square foot of my build out expenses. Interesting. Okay. So you kind of like, so you can negotiate that all up front. Yeah. In yeah. exchange, you're going to give them like a five or a 10 year lease. Interesting. And then, uh, or if you're buying a building, you have it inspected. And obviously if all this stuff is falling apart, you can negotiate like, Hey, look, I'm under contract for a million dollars to buy this building. And I thought, you know, there was everything looked good initially, yeah. but we found out the AC is toast. The electrical needs to be all replaced. And then you could say, like, well, I want $100,000 knocked off. Mm-hmm. And then if it, if it doesn't work out, then you move on to another building. Dang. Dang, Kyle, we're buying a building. <laughs> All right. Jeez. Sounds great. We figured it out. I Kyle, mean, do you have any questions for Brant? Um, not off the top of my head. You want to get started in commercial real I actually, estate? I did have one fun question I was thinking about. He mentioned that the flipping market dried up in 2016, 2017. I was curious if there was a moment where you realized – that was never going to be something like it was anymore. Because I remember hearing about that when I was a kid around that time. Yeah. And I thought it was pretty cool. And I remember I used to watch Survivor, like the TV show all the time, right? Yeah. And one of the dudes from Survivor, like, didn't even win, had his own TV show, Flippin' House. And I remember thinking, if Russell Hans has a television show doing this, the bubble has burst. <laughs> like, you can't make money anymore. Yeah. That's not going to be a reality for me when I get older. I'm glad to hear that I was right, that it has burst. Yeah. But I was curious if there was like a moment for you, yeah. for a business you were really into for a yeah. few years, yeah. when you realized, I'm out. This it was isn't like, a good thing. Because really like from like, thir- from like 2013 to like 16, even bad people who were bad at flipping were winning because they were riding the market up. 
Mm. Like the houses were appreciating at like eight or nine percent per year. Faster than yeah. Like, so like even if they bought something like and just held it and did nothing to it, they could have made money. Dang. So like like it was really uh that kind of a market. And then in twenty sixteen, like the market just kind of tapered off. And uh but it was also a combination of like all the contract everything you used to be able to get done for like like ten thousand dollars is now costing you close to twenty thousand mm. dollars. So everything was like the contractors were more expensive. Like, like the, you know, painters would come in and like, like everybody wanted more money. All the contractors wanted more money because they were like in short supply. Uh, houses were getting more expensive because everybody was watching HGTV and thought they're like, I could do that. Yeah. You know, and so they were all competing to buy. They were competing with me and my investors to buy the properties. And we knew what the house we could buy it for and what the remodel budget was. So we could only offer X. So if like, if we thought that that price was three hundred, we'd like, okay, we're gonna offer three hundred. I know they want three twenty five, but we're gonna offer three hundred, and and see if we can make this happen. And then you'd have like an amateur come in and say, I want it three twenty five. Yeah. And then they would lose their shirt on the remodel, and uh, but we'd also not be able to do that deal. Mm. And so we were, I was, I was just going up in too many multiple offer situations, and I was like, this isn't worth it. Like. My guys are like, we have to hit certain numbers in order for it to make flips feasible. Yeah. And so I was like, this isn't worth it to keep and going at, going after all these properties uh, and not making uh, any traction. Like, because yeah. writing a contracts and seeing houses takes time. Yeah. And if you're not getting anything under contract, then you're just not making any money. And so you made a pivot at that point? Yeah. We started, I pivoted initially to like higher end luxury flips. And like, cause I was like, well, less people are going after those. Yeah. So we did that for like a year and then we started doing some like add on flips, like in the M streets where we'd buy a property that was like 1400 square feet, add on like 2000 square feet mm. and sell it as like, yeah. as a better product. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we did, a, did a few of those and like they were, you know, pretty decent returns. Like, I feel like that's a good lesson there though, that when, when you start experiencing uh competition in a market, one option is to just do better than everyone else. Another option is to pivot to something that's mm-hmm. more difficult mm-hmm. to like get into. Right. Which is actually the reason why commercial real estate is such a great, like in this space, like you think like, like if it's, if everybody's making twice as much money as in residential, why would every be, everybody be in that space? Well, most people aren't familiar with commercial. Mm-hmm. So like, everybody's most everybody's like owned a house or they live in a house or whatever. They understand like, okay, I own this house and I can rent this house out Yeah, or I can flip this house. Cause I've seen it on TV or I know the worst that could happen. And, and I also know enough about the process that I know right. I've know a little bit about the laws and the regulations yeah. and but stuff. A few people have any experience with commercial. Yeah. Unless you like your business owner and you had to go lease a space or you had to buy a building for your, your business or something like that. But most people don't know anything about commercial so they don't want they don't want to put their money there because yeah. they're like i'm just afraid that i'm just gonna lose everything yeah and i'm like thinking i'm like how you can lose your money like starbucks is your tenant yeah you know wow like, yeah I'm, I'm that's like, a good point i was like you think they're gonna make you go bankrupt yeah that's a good point that's a really <laughs> I, good point I was like, you think that uh owning that uh whataburger is gonna is yeah gonna, like and you're not even owning the uh, whataburger you just own the building and the land that the whataburger is using yeah and you get paid for it Interesting. They're paying you on like a 20 year lease. So people down the street that are building all those buildings, that was a developer and an investment group that said, we're going to buy this big, because I mean, it was a big acre. I mean, it's like an acre or two. And then they just buy that up and say, we, we figure if we put these types of buildings. Yeah. It was kind of like when you, when you do something like, it's like a, we call it spec build. Like, Mm -hmm. cause you're not building it for a particular person. You're just building it with the, like the idea that somebody's going to lease it. 
or buy it. So when you're building spec builds, because you're like, you know that this market needs that product. So like, like Grapevine might may have been short of office space or high end class A office space yeah. or high end retail space. Yeah. So some developers like, you know, I can do this. I can build it. And I'm sure somebody will lease it. Yeah. And that's kind of the, their play. Dang. And sometimes they hold it after they lease it, or sometimes they'll like uh, lease it up and stabilize it yeah. and sell the yeah. sell the entire asset. Yeah, dang. Have you done many SBA loans to start your businesses? Nope. Everything I've done so far, it's been in real estate. It needs minimal capital. Just yeah. needs a lot of like yeah. sweat equity. Dang. Have well, I'm trying to think of like advice you could give to someone who, for the first time is maybe going to a family friend or going to someone they've met mm-hmm. who's thinking about like, or comes to them and says, Hey man, I got, I got X amount. And if you have an idea or you have something you really believe in, yeah. I want to do that with you. Yeah. What advice would you give someone who's vent starts to venture? Cause like their dream starts getting big enough that now people are having conversations with them about investing you, you know, you're talking about like the advice I'd give to the person. Well, I say the, the first time they've ever gotten into some type of relationship where, like, now it's no longer just my idea or just my freelance job. Mm-hmm. Now suddenly, a family member or a friend of a friend is saying, "Hey, man, I got this money, and you had this idea. Like, I want to help." Yeah, like, I'd probably say like, find a lawyer. But we'll make sure. Well, yeah, I get, <laughs> I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, like definitely, you have an LLC, and obviously, you have an operations agreement with your LLC. Yeah, and you just got to make sure that everything is. You define your exits. You define like like so. This person, this investor, isn't always having to be tied to you forever. Type of thing. Like there might be an exit two years from now or five years from now where they can get all their money back plus some interest or whatever. Yeah. Or they get their money back and they still own like a minority percentage of the business. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd still I would talk to like a like a mentor. Like I always believe in getting mentors. Yeah. And just like finding people that have already done it before yeah, and then picking their brain and trying to figure out like, like if I wanted, if I have a, like a cousin that wants to open a restaurant and they've never done it before, but they've got a great idea and I believe in them. I probably still would want to like get like another restaurant tour involved yeah, because most restaurant tours would probably have a, uh, like they understand like getting investors and yeah. they understand like putting like LLCs together and how to structure them. And so I'd get one of them on board and maybe even have them as like maybe a minority interest in the restaurant to help with getting it off the ground yeah. and making it su- successful because like nine out of 10 businesses are going to fail. Yeah. And, and uh, so if you can reduce that risk by bringing on somebody who's already proven they could be successful in that yeah. industry. Yeah. That's what that I was do. the other thing I'd never thought about in terms of like. A small business venture, I've always thought of that in terms of large startups, was the idea that uh, maybe you don't just need capital investment but, like, knowledge investment. Yes. Like, if you partner with someone, you had said, like, it might be smart to contact someone who has, you know, one small co-work space yeah. and partner with them because they've already done it. Yep. And then you're kind of basically giving away some of the ownership of the business in return for their expertise and their exactly. knowledge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, I'm all about like, if you, the, I would say seek out someone who's already been there, who's already five years ahead of you or 10 yeah. years ahead of you. And it'll, you'll find most people actually want to help you. Yeah. And like, I, I, I'm like that person. Like somebody comes to me, like, I'm like, you're into real estate. You know, what should I do? I'm like, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what to do. Yeah. You know, man, and just help them out. Yeah. And that's it. Oh man. What else? Is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, what can we plug of yours? 
you have anything we can plug? I mean, if you're looking to buy a commercial real estate property. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most of, like most everything I do is like, you know, just helping people turn $1 into $2. Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, build cash flow and yeah. that kind of thing. I know that there's a lot of people during COVID that are finding themselves jumping off of either a sinking ship or launching out into some other way of trying to generate income. And mm-hmm. I mean, maybe we could talk about that a little bit. Maybe like, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know what advice you might give to people that are finding themselves suddenly on their own or looking for creative ways to start revenue. Yeah. I think I always think like there's so many people in the, in the U S right now that are like, so dependent on companies mm-hmm. for their income. Yeah. And like people come to me and told me like, Brant, how do you live on commissions? How is that possible? Like I could never do that. And I was like, what if you're walked in, what if you walked into your office tomorrow and your boss fired you? Mm. Where would you have income still? Yeah. No. Well, yeah. is that any different? Like in fact with me, I could never fire myself. Mm. You know, like I reap what I sow. Yeah. You, on the other hand, your entire department could get downsized without to no fault of yours, mm-hmm. and you could lose your job. Yeah, and then you might be two months, four months without a job, no pay, and what do you do? So, yeah, it doesn't matter how hard you would have worked at your job; it yeah, doesn't exist anymore. Exactly. So, whereas you could always just go yeah. work on your job, or or the other part is like some people just look at a job; it's just like a paycheck, and like mm-hmm. like they're gonna do as little as they can to not get fired. You know, and I think that if you look at it like from another perspective, like how can I provide a ton of value? Like this company is paying me eighty thousand dollars a year to be here. Yeah. How can I give them two hundred thousand dollars a year of value? Yeah. How can I come up with some idea that can make the company more money? Yeah. And like just having that mindset of just constantly wanting to provide value for your employer. Yeah. Is what will keep you at the job and give you better job better jobs within the company. That's been a huge mind shift for me is uh, exactly what you're saying. Like when I first started thinking, well, maybe I need to supplement my income, you know, mm-hmm. cause I'm a youth minister. This mm-hmm. is like way back in 2011 when I first started out, my wife and I like no kids, she's pregnant. I'm like, man, it's like getting <laughs> kind of tight, you know, like, yeah. and I remember thinking like, okay, well, what could I do? What extra could I do that someone would give me money? Yeah. But the shift was thinking, how could I make other people money? Yeah. And then people would like, no brainer would throw money at me right. because if I can figure out how to make other people money, yeah. then it makes total sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's all about value. Yeah. It's like people are willing to pay for something if they're getting some, some kind of a value. Out yeah. Of it. Yeah. That was a big thing too, is to start thinking, and maybe this is advice for people that are like, haven't really been in the freelance game or haven't, mm-hmm. and maybe it might even be good if you don't, if you don't know exactly what you want to do. Yeah. Like, I think there's a lot of pressure if you're jumping off right now, like, Oh, well, I got to pick. Am I am I a Photoshop specialist or am I I'm a Final Cut Pro yeah. specialist? But I think if you just start asking the people you know or find a um, like an audience to serve, and then just start thinking or asking them, what's your biggest struggle? Yeah, and then figure out ways to solve it. You know. Yeah. One thing I'll say to that crowd of people that are kind of still figuring out what they want to do, I'd say go spend a few days with a person that's doing whatever you think you want to do. Yeah. Like, if you, like be intern? A, if you want to be a veterinarian, like go, go shadow a vet for two days yeah, and, yeah. and like see what it's yeah. all about. If you want to be a game designer, go shadow a game designer for two days. Yeah. Because actually I, my, before I got into emerging media and communication, I was in video game design. Oh, that's right. I forgot so, about that. So I was totally like thinking like, how cool would that be? <laughs> I could design video games, play video games all day. Yeah. Uh, this could be the most badass job ever. Yeah. 
And uh, as I'm into it, I'm like, like realizing like I'm not like the best game designer in my class. And there's like significantly more people that are faster and better at like creating 3D models and other stuff like that. Yeah. And I was like, and I started researching it and I was like, I found out that to get the kind hmm. of salaries I would want to have, I'd have to be in the top one to 2% of <laughs> video game designers. Yeah. I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to compete with these people. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, I'm out. Yeah. So I, after like two semesters, I was like moving to a different major because yeah. like as much as like it sounds cool, like my like probably the best I would ever do in that was probably make like 80 or 90K a year, which I mean, it's not a bad salary. It's just but like my aspirations were like I wanted to make hundreds. Yeah. You know, I was yeah. like I wanted to be able to build like because for me, like the income is always about like using that money to build things. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Like into like to really, I wanted to, I don't know, ever since I was young, I always wanted to build like companies. And yeah. I have an impact. Have an impact on the yeah. world. And like, yeah. and I was like, I feel like I wasn't going to be able to make it a meaningful impact in the video games, video game design. World. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, that was advice I gave Kyle back when he was in high school in my youth group. I, I said, you would be surprised. He was like asking advice or something. So it wasn't like I just gave it to him. But uh, I said, you would be surprised how easy it is to get an internship if you just know how to kind of bother someone, yeah. but also like like provide, like say, I will come work for free and here's what I can yeah. do for you. Yeah. You'd be surprised how many people, if you're, if you're teachable, you're like hardworking, like you'll actually listen to what they say yeah. and you're quick at it. Like, man, I, I, that's one of the best advice you could give yeah, people. I'll say business owners freaking love trial runs yeah. that cost them nothing. Yeah. Like, like, uh, it used to be that way 50, 70, like 70 years ago, like very common, you know, people would, uh, well, what, like if they wanted to work at a law firm, they'd be like, Hey, I'll work for free for three months. And if you don't like me, you can just let me go. But otherwise, but if you do like me, then I got a permanent job here. Wow. And they'd be like, okay. Yeah. And so, uh, like, I feel like that mentality is kind of gone. Yeah. Like people are like starting, like coming out of college and they're like, what do you got for me? I graduated from SMU. Like, what do you like? What do you have? What kind of what kind of salary you offer me? What kind of uh, sick day? How many sick days? And how much time off do I get? Yeah. Like, and how much? Like, what kind of benefits do I? Get? Yeah. It's always about me, me, me. Yeah. When in reality, it's like the company. The, the you haven't even asked the right questions. Yeah. You have to ask like, how can you benefit that company? Yeah. How can you make that company money? Yeah. And everything that they've said before that was like had nothing to do with helping the company yeah it had everything to do with helping them i i got some similar advice when i was interviewing for positions and i would i would draw up like a draft like here's here's like two or three pages on my three-year plan on what i would do here now pending like me and the boss talking about this and th but i just want you to sh i just want you to see like practically i've looked at your website i spent a little bit of yeah. time here's kind of what i might do in the first 3 years so then like they're seeing that in the interview they're saying wow if we hire this guy he's going to start this live stream thing he's going to start this social yeah. media thing he's going to build this website he's going to do this thing yeah. and then they're like wow like and they're not just thinking who of everyone do we hire they're thinking do we want this plan for our organization is yeah, it going to be helpful exactly. and impactful yeah it's it's all about that adding that like the value and like, and I think that the company is seeing that you're like willingness yeah. to want to contribute. Yeah. Yeah. And like kind of just, especially small businesses, like small businesses, like want you like somebody to come in and be able to wear multiple hats. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is they're already like a business owner, like that's just starting out. They're wearing like six or seven hats. Yeah. And they just want somebody to come and take like three or four of them. Well, they also want, I can say this 
from my perspective as well, you also, and I'm sure you would agree, but you also want someone who's going to kind of, they don't have to perfectly think like an owner, but just think they like take ownership. They, yeah. And also, but think about like, think about the owner's perspective, right? Like to yeah. think like, if you come in and go, I want 10 hours of your time and I'm going to help you. You're like, you don't understand what it's like to be an owner. I don't have 10 hours. Yeah, like I can't yeah, do it. Exactly. You got to come with me with like how you're going to save me time, how right. you're going to save me money. How you, right. you know what I mean? And right. that's, that's really huge too. If you show up and go, I know what it's like to be the boss. You don't right. have much time. You right. don't have a lot of like, right. and I'm going to help you do this. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I just hope that there's more people over the next decade that are, you know, there's a lot of people that are in their their late teens, early twenties. Yeah. And I feel like the entrepreneurial spirit is kind of, I don't know if it's like people who just feel like they just got to get a degree and they got to go work for somebody. And that's what life's all about. Yeah. But I just feel like there aren't as many entrepreneurs like being churned out yeah. as there were before. I've thought about, Kyle, I thought about us just going to all the small businesses on Grapevine yeah. and like Main Street and just walking in and just being like, hey, can you just give me an hour to shoot some video, make a bunch of social media content? You can keep it. Do with it what you want. But yeah. I just want to show you for free what we do. And yeah. like if you want to call me afterwards, you can. Yeah. But absolutely. otherwise, like I get to use it for a portfolio maybe if you approve it and like if you like it. And you can use it for free. We normally charge yeah. clients, but I just want to spend like two hours. Like, can I record behind the yeah. bar? You pouring coffees? Yeah. Can I re- record you making sushi? Like, yeah, exactly. I thought about doing that. We should do that, Kyle. I think it's a great idea. Are we doing that? Especially with that one lady who likes us. The, uh, what one lady? The real estate lady. Um, real estate. Not the real estate one. The one who does marketing. Oh, like, Wordplay Texas? Yeah. Yeah, we should go do some of that stuff. A little yeah. pop up shop. Yeah. Except it's not a shop, and we're well, popping up your shop. I think it's a good idea. We should do it. Well, guys, thanks, man. Thanks for being on. Hey, man, I'm happy to be here. You should come back. You should start your own yeah, podcast. Yeah. Well, I definitely want to. Uh, I'll come back and I'll give you some more. That'd be great. Insight into some other. We'll stuff. have like a regular segment yeah. where Brant comes in and gives like real estate advice. That'd be yeah. fun. And we pretend yeah. it's for the podcast. And it's like hypothetical <laughs> question. <laughs> hypothetical, <laughs> yeah, actual question. <laughs> yeah, we'll come back anytime, man. Really fun. It. We don't have any closing music, do we? Everyone, you can go support the show on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/the-show. Find Brant on Instagram. You can look at all yeah. of his nice cars. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Or where else? <laughs> where else would you want people to contact you? Anywhere else? Just I mean, Instagram. Instagram's great. Instagram's great. Uh, if you have a million dollars and want to turn that into two million dollars, contact <laughs> Brant Barnes. Brant will do that in six months if you call one eight hundred Brant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks so much for being on the show. Of course. How are we going to end? We're, we'll end by just. I want. Oh, you just hit it. I know. I got the camera on him. Okay. Typically that's how we've been. Brand, if you could use, if you could just look at this camera and say, what's the word, the word for 2021? The word for 2021? Yeah, like the inspiration word? word. Like pick an inspiration word for people listening for 2021. Recovery.